0: I distinctly remember hearing someone yell, stop that van. From CBC Podcast, an investigation into how young men are being recruited and radicalized on the internet.
1: And she asked me if I was friends with a guy named Alec Manassian. By a new supercharged form of hate. On Facebook, police say he wrote the incel rebellion has already begun.
0: A dark online subculture that's spilling over into the real world. Boys Like Me, available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts.
2: This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, I'm Matt Galloway, and this is The Current Podcast. One Monday night last October, multiple homes in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, got a life-altering call. That call let people know that five people in two homes were dead, including the man who pulled the trigger. It was the worst case of intimate partner violence the Sioux had ever seen, and almost immediately it sparked a movement dedicated to make sure that wouldn't happen again. The CBC's Katie Nicholson visited that community in the aftermath.
3: What's it
0: like for you guys to come back to this house?
3: It's been a little more difficult, but it's, it's something that we've got to deal with, you know. So at this point now, it's just about getting things together for the grandchildren, for their future and whatever they want. Eh? You in, my boy? Brian Sweeney ushers his grandson, Wyatt,
0: into the Little White House in Sault Ste. Marie. Several generations of Sweeney's have called it home. Brian grew up here, and when his daughter Wyatt's mom Angie took it over, he always dropped by for visits and her home cooking. Now, a cardboard box of Angie's shoes sits by the door.
3: How much of Angie is still here? Quite a bit, actually. Like, this was what my daughter was all about, you know. She had all kinds of nice sayings on the wall, you know, that cheer you up every day. She had her Almost everywhere you turn, there are
0: inspirational quotes. The kitchen walls urge you to use kind words, give hugs and kisses. And there's one recurring word, love.
3: She was all about love. Every chance we had to get together for birthdays and have a barbecue and whatever, she always got everybody together. That that was the way she was. And that's what she's doing now. You know, and in in this tragedy, she's, she's brought us all back together again. I need a bit. Of- it's okay.
0: It's been just over four months since Brian Sweeney's daughter was killed. Fresh waves of grief still overtake him. Wyatt is more stoic. Wyatt, do you have memories of her in this kitchen?
4: A lot. Too many to really recount any of them.
0: When you're in this space, do you feel close to her?
4: Kinda. I think she's somewhere better than here, at least. I hope.
0: What happened on October 23rd, 2023, didn't just shatter the Sweeney family. It shattered Sault Ste. Marie. Bob Hallert, a man with a history of intimate partner violence, shot and killed Angie Sweeney days after she broke up with him. They'd been together for about three years. Hallert then drove to another ex's house and shot and killed their three children, seriously injured their mother, and then turned the gun on himself. Are you guys okay to talk a little bit about the lead-up to to what happened? Okay.
4: He was having problems with drug abuse, and my mom was not having that. So she (laughs) got him off of all that, and then right before, like three days before what happened, she figured out that he failed a drug test at work and kicked him out.
0: With his mop of dark curls and an oversized hoodie, Wyatt still looks like a teenager, but he's the size of a grown man. He plays football. He and Hallert clashed from the start over things like cutting the grass.
4: There was one time we were in the kitchen and he ran at me and I stopped him dead in his tracks and just pushed him right out the door. And then uh, when we got outside, he was telling me to like hit him. Like, he was was so immature. That's the best way to describe him. He wasn't a grown man at all.
0: Wyatt decided to move in with his grandparents, Brian and Suzanne. But a week before she died, Angie told her mom it was time for Wyatt to come home.
3: She said she would cut the grass herself just to have him back home with them as, as a family. It's like she finally caught on and realized that what this man was contributing to her life was not what her life was all about. She was probably showing more rejection to him, and, and that could have been part of the trigger as well.
0: Angie's friends never liked Bob Hallard much. Her best friend since childhood, Lindsay Stewart, takes me along one of the many trails she and Angie loved to walk. She remembers her reaction when she found out who Angie was dating.
5: So I knew Bob even prior to them starting to date, And back then, I didn't care for him. He was always, you know, creating fights at parties and just a rough guy. It was in March 2020. She had texted me and she said, I found the love of my life. And um, right away, I told her, run for the hills. It was right in the thick of COVID. And she obviously decided to stick through it. Were there warning signs to your mind that... Yeah. Yeah. And her family and friends, you know, were always there for her and telling her that she deserves better. Um, And she knew it. And near the end, she was trying to get out of the relationship. And I think the system maybe failed her a little bit.
0: Among the most disturbing elements of this tragedy is that it's not unique. A woman is killed by an intimate partner on average every six days in Canada. For Angie's friends and family, one case stands out for its eerie parallels to what happened here in the Sioux. For several hours today, Eastern Ontario was the scene of an intense manhunt. Police were searching for an armed suspect. Renfrew County, Ontario, September 2015. In the space of a few hours one morning, a man killed three women at three different addresses. Anastasia Kuzik, Natalie Warmerdam, and Carol Colleton.
2: The Ontario Provincial Police say they've arrested a suspect who may be linked to three murders. All the victims are women.
0: A month-long inquest into that triple femicide made 86 recommendations to end intimate partner violence. The recommendations spanned everything from ways to improve the justice system, the criminal code, early interventions for victims and perpetrators, more and better resources for those in danger, and better police and public education.
6: Uh, And one thing, Angie was like a a wild driver, so when (laughs) that's an understatement.
0: Renee Buxell, Amanda Bjarna, and Lindsay all sit around a table at the breakfast pig where Angie loved to go for brunch. They huddle over a picture from an 80s party. That's me, Angie, and Miranda. So
6: this was our wolf pack, and so we were together like all of the time
0: the bonds in this pack have become tighter as the women try to piece together what happened and what might have saved their friend's life
6: because he was definitely abusive i think but more so with like his words like he would mentally like belittle her and put her down and tell her she was fat and disgusting and nobody would want her and you know so at that point
1: he was really good at like making her feel worthless without actually getting physical with her. Anybody too will tell you that he could charm you and he could talk to you. And then she just was like, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I, if, if everybody just gave up on everybody in life, then what kind of people would be out there? And then it was hard to fight or argue with her because that's why we loved her. And that's what she's seen in everybody. So I try to downplay it a lot. And then in September was the
6: first time that
1: he did like actually
6: hit her and she laughed and she went to our friend Tress's house. She left barefoot. Actually, she showed up at Tress's house with no shoes on.
0: Angie, like many abuse survivors, kept that assault under wraps. She didn't report it to police. By October, Angie's mind was made up. She needed to break up with Hallert for good.
1: She called me, she's like, I'm changing my locks on my house. He's done. I'm gonna pack up all this stuff and put it into his camper. We went to her house and he still had his video cameras up.
0: Hallard had installed the cameras around Angie's house ostensibly to ward off thieves. But then he used them to monitor her.
1: He would sit at work and watch them. And then I don't think she realized at first either that he could hear everything too.
0: Monitoring a partner is a component of coercive control, one of the more subversive forms of abuse, and one the Renfrew Inquest suggests the Canadian government make a part of the criminal code. Hallert's anger grew that weekend. Angie called police to keep him away. The police then escorted Hallert back to Angie's house to pick up his freezer. It's a decision that Angie's friends and family find bewildering.
6: He couldn't care about his freezer. He just wanted one more chance to, like, to talk intimidate to her. her or, you know, like, get his voice into her head one more last time.
0: When Angie blocked Hallert on every app, he left handwritten notes outside her door in angry scrawls. An hour before he killed her, he found another way to message her. By sending her tiny e-transfers, a penny, a dollar, with vulgar messages attached. In the months since Angie's murder, there have been a lot of what-ifs. What if this had happened, or what if that had been available? The recommendations of the Renfrew inquest came out a year before Angie was killed. Some were rejected outright, others the province wanted to mull over, and some are slowly being implemented. For Brian Sweeney, it's been a call to action. At his daughter's vigil just days after her murder, in front of a crowd clutching candles standing in the cold and rain, he made a promise.
3: To get a movement going here, to stop all this terrible nonsense and violence, I am gonna ask our Mr. Ford if he could find some time a day because I would have a conversation here with him and have a few suggestions. What would you
0: say to Mr. Ford right now about these recommendations still on the table?
3: Get your butt out of the chair and let's get things going here because none of the recommendations as far as I see that are principal to this and prevention are being taken seriously. He's got some girls of his own. And I'm sure he wouldn't like to wake up the middle of some night and get a call that something happened like that to one of his own children. Recommendation
0: number one is to declare intimate partner violence an epidemic. While nearly 100 communities in Ontario have done it, the Ford government has not. The federal justice minister has referred to it as an epidemic, but so far the prime minister has refused to make that declaration. Both governments say they are working on implementing some of the inquest recommendations. And in December, Ontario launched a new program called STANDS that it hopes will improve prevention and public education about intimate partner violence, though many of the details are still being worked out. The federal government says in addition to its support of the new coercive control bill making its way through the house, it's looking at how it can strengthen the way the criminal justice system deals with femicides. Angie's friends all have ideas for what could have helped.
1: I just feel like our community doesn't have any outlet for friends and family of IPV or violence, right? I don't like I don't really even know what the answer is, but like somewhere just to reach out to like for friends and family
0: What Amanda is talking about is bystander intervention resources. That's part of Recommendation 23, which suggests, among other things, the province embark on a public education campaign to help people spot warning signs, especially in rural communities. Lindsay Stewart wishes things had been handled differently when Angie called the police.
5: Maybe hook him up with a psychologist or some kind of therapy and talk him through his emotions. I think that could have made a difference.
0: Lindsay's suggestion that Hallard get counselling also gets to the heart of a number of the Renfrew recommendations targeting the perpetrator. Recommendation 32 even suggests a province-wide, 24-7 hotline for men in crisis. That has not been implemented. I've reported other people's stories for a long time, confronting people in power. But behind this broadcast voice, I've hidden my greatest secret. I was in an abusive marriage, It lasted a year, but it changed my life. Part of me always blamed myself for what happened, and I've lived with the shame. So many of us live like this. It's time we change that. I'm Anna Maria Tremonti. Welcome to Paradise is my story. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. Podcasts. Over the years, Hallert had assaulted two police officers in Ontario and smashed the rear window of a cop car. Even though he hadn't had a valid firearms license since 2014, he still had access to guns. In 2020, before he started dating Angie, Sioux Police seized two firearms from him.
6: The cops know the type of person they're dealing with when they get a call for him. So to not like have more serious actions or, you know, make sure that there's no weapons, like there was so much that was done wrong in this situation.
0: Ontario is considering legislation that exists elsewhere, which would allow police to warn a woman if she was seeing someone with a history of intimate partner violence. The night of October 23rd, Brian got a call telling him that his granddaughter, she's 10-year-old, was at the police station. He didn't know why or what she was doing there.
3: Well, then, when we got up there, we seen Bob's parents in the front corridor of the police station.
0: Seeing Bob Hallard's parents there, Brian knew something bad had happened.
3: The first thing his mother had said is is, "How is Angie, Is she okay?" Well, I jumped in the car, and I'll tell you if it took me two minutes to get down here, that's all it took. I was driving pretty fast, probably crazy. Cause at that point I was just short of losing my mind, wondering what was going on. Then when I got here, the police officer told me, he says, "Well, you can't go in there." He says, "It's an investigation now." And I, I just turned and looked at him, and I said, "All I want is one answer from you." I said, "Is it bad?" He said, "It's real bad." And then I knew that was it. She, she had been taken away from us. And uh, so then I just got back in my car cried my way back to the police station.
0: Angie was folding laundry in her daughter's room when she heard Hallert kick in the back door. Brian believes Angie saved her daughter's life.
3: She made a point to, to hide her underneath the bed and, and use her body to block the doorway upstairs in the bedroom. Hallert shot Angie through the door.
0: Since speaking at the vigil, Brian hasn't slowed down. He spoke at city council, and in December, he drove ten and a half hours to Montreal to try and get the prime minister's attention to push for national action and more funding for intimate partner violence prevention.
3: I see that this is one thing I believe Canada should be in a leader in. And if Canada makes the change, then the rest of the world will follow. Closer to home, he wants to see police
0: handle intimate partner violence differently.
3: She called the cops like one day away, and the police, it was like nothing to me. I, I feel let down by the police.
2: I think it would be impossible not to say that there wasn't a failure.
0: That's Sault Ste. Marie Police Chief Hugh Stevenson. In the past, he's voiced his support for the Renfrew Inquest recommendations well before what happened in October.
2: The service in the community have been reeling for the last few months trying to understand why, how why didn't we see this? Did we do everything we could to prevent something like this? He's
0: reviewed the case. Over the years, there were numerous domestic-type calls involving Hallert, complaints about yelling, calls to remove him from various places, but nothing ever resulting
2: in charges. They were all occurrences that, you know, wasn't something the police could arrest on or remove on. So you, you don't have a situation where the criminal code can apply
0: He's ordered a review of domestic calls that don't result in charges to see if there are grounds for police to proactively approach women to connect them with IPV resources.
2: We need to think outside the criminal code and use more intuitive, proactive approaches to say, what can we do for this victim? Let's say, for example, we find three occurrences in the last year and we contact through victim services Would you like us to come over and discuss? And I mean, she'll always have the right to say no or yes, but at least we did something. It may in fact be you need a a safety plan and you need to get to a shelter. We suggest you do it now. We'll help you do that. Those are all options that we can pursue at that time. Would it have helped in this situation? I don't know. My gut is it would.
0: It's 7 p.m. in a large meeting room at City Hall. It's buzzing with nearly two dozen people. Most are in blue shirts, emblazoned with the words, Angie's Angels.
6: All right, guys, so tonight on the agenda, we have a few things.
0: That's Renee Buxel calling the meeting to order. Seated next to her, fellow Wolfpack member Lindsay Stewart. Amanda Bjarna is here too, along with Brian, his wife Suzanne, Angie's brother, and his wife have come together to figure out how they can end intimate partner violence in their community.
6: We're just over 3 months since all of this happened and I think some of us are still living in between grieving and trying to put our lives back together but not wanting to let what happened here just get buried, get buried and fade away without actually impacting real change, right? So it's like-
0: tonight's agenda is packed starting with a conference call with Victoria NDP MP Laurel Collins whose private members' bill in Ottawa could criminalize coercive control.
6: We know that um, when a woman or someone who is impacted by intimate partner violence uh, is leaving, that's the most dangerous time for
0: them. Then it's to Montreal for advice from a Cole Polytechnique survivor Heidi Rathjen. You
5: need to define what you're fighting for. Uh, It's really what you're trying to achieve.
0: Their goal is to launch a website and mission statements so the community knows what they stand for. And do something substantive to mark March 8th, that's International Women's Day. As they listen and plan, Brian Sweeney clutches his wife's hand under the table.
6: And some idea for committee focus groups. I know that we really want to get our website up and running. We were hoping that.
0: Angie's house, the one four generations of Sweeneys have called home, will likely be sold, but they're holding on to each other. What's it been like just watching your grandfather take this on with this energy?
4: It's been pretty surprising seeing him all over the place. Pretty cool, though. I like what he's doing.
0: What do you think your mother would have thought of it, of the way that you guys are all coming together and pushing for
4: change? I don't know. I'm sure she'd be proud, though.
2: Angie's Angels was produced by Katie Nicholson and A.C. Rowe with the CBC Audio Documentary Unit. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.